Welcome to the Zestly Life Podcast. At Zestly, we offer you the opportunity to stop seeing yourself through shattered lenses, but rather reconnect with your mind, body, and soul, and love the life you're living. We are passionate about uplifting moms and creating a safe and supportive community for all. Doing this mom thing is no easy task, and you have to make sure that you are mentally and emotionally on top of your game. We are here to support you and provide you with the tools to live your most joyful life. This podcast is brought to you by Kirsten Hay, who's an integrative health coach, and Amy Howard, who's a yoga teacher, life coach, and Reiki practitioner. Join us today! On today's podcast, we are joined by Melissa Delport, who's a certified intuitive integrative nutrition health coach, retreat facilitator, cookbook author, private chef, and photographer. You might have seen her books, Whole and Heal in Woolworths, in the Isle of Woolworths, that's where I've spotted them. But join us today, she'll be discussing her health journey, some tips and tricks on how we can live a more holistic and healthy lifestyle, and some tips and tricks on how we can ensure that our children are eating more nutritiously. So join us. This is a jam-packed episode. We even touch on a little bit on trauma and childhood trauma and how that can impact our lives and the importance of our breath in our everyday life and a whole bunch of other little topics. So I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our next podcast. We're so excited to be here today. We are joined by Melissa Delport, and we've given you such a great uh, intro on her, and we're just going to get right down to it. Samal. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. It's wonderful to be here. We're so excited to have you on our podcast. (laughs) Samal, your health journey has actually been quite uh, extraordinary. You've gone from extreme to extreme. So tell us how you got to where you are today. Wow. So, um... Gosh, it's actually quite a long story, but I'm going to try and nutshell it for you guys. I would say that my journey started when I was 11 years old. I was put onto my first fat diet through no fault of my parents. They did the best that they could with the information that they had at the time. And this sort of set me up for the next 15 years of my life of moving in and out of toxic diets and constantly focusing on trying to lose weight and be thin. And thin was always the goal because that's what's really celebrated in our society today. Um, throughout my journey of, you know, the next 15 years, when I was 17, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. It affects one in eight women of childbearing age. And I just sort of descended into a really, um, bad health situation. You know, I had, I was on a vast array of different medications for every problem I had. The doctors had a tablet and there was never an actual solution, but sort of this plaster that would be put over it. If it was hormonal acne, if it was weight gain, if it was everything down to the nasties of, of PCOS, of male pattern hair growth. You know, there was go for laser, take the Rakuten, take the hormone oral contraceptive you know then I was pre-diabetic then they put me on glucophage and there was just always a tablet for the for for where I was at and the whole time there was also this this constant pressure at the back of my mind to be thin and to lose weight and then um as life would have it my career actually ended up in food I'm also a food photographer and as you mentioned a cookbook author and I had this beautiful career in food that everybody was celebrating but food was actually causing me severe anxiety and mm. a lot of um dark uh, dark spaces came about because of it 
And then when I was about yeah, 28, a couple of years ago, I just had the penny drop and the aha moment that thin and healthy are not the same thing. And if I endeavored to get healthy, what would happen? And how would my body shift if I started eating correctly for my hormones, if I started eating correctly for my health, um, what would happen? And I, I just went down the rabbit hole. I was hungry for the knowledge and the research and the information out there. I was very blessed to come across incredible resources that, that really, you know, that was just put in my pathway for me to discover. And I just I dived headfirst into all the information and started applying it into my life and slowly but surely pulling myself out of being really disconnected from my body and my health and my wellness and subsequently also lost 20 kilograms and that was the the happy side effect of of eating for health and not eating to get skinny right Mm. so I lost the the weight and put all my symptoms into remission I'm PCOS free I um, I'm off all my medication and I am happier and healthier than I've ever been. So it's been this really interesting journey of moving from very disconnected from my body and my food and my nutrition to, and, and like you say, it might be an extreme, but it's a happy, balanced extreme um, throughout it all is now finding balance and being in a healthy, happy space with my nutrition. Mm. So it's been a really interesting journey. And then throughout that, wrote the two books. So the two books are, the first one's Whole Bowl Food for Balance was really about moving away from toxic diet culture and starting to understand that if you eat to to nourish through real whole foods, that this incredible machine that is your body will actually show up for you and, and function at optimal. Um, but then this interesting thing happened. You know, you lose the weight and you think, oh, that's... You know, it, is, it isn't the goal, but it's definitely a major perk and nobody's going to fight that, right? So the reality was is that once I lost the weight, I still realized that there was a deeper unhappiness. And that was when I got really curious and started questioning, like, what's that about, right? Because the reality is, is that if we are um, still deeply unhappy, there's, there's deeper work to be done. And that's when I started to see that the, the healing journey, this deeper healing journey that we're on really begins with food and is you know it's so important to eat right sort of lay the energetics right in the body but essentially in order to go deeper you you have to start with food but then once you've done the food you're able to access the deeper emotions and that's when I uh, you know this this concept and obviously I work as an intuitive holistic health coach this is where I started to understand our primary foods and our secondary foods and I speak about them in the book the primary foods being our career our spirituality our relationships our exercise and areas within that and what is truly you know your life food your soul food because when that's in balance food becomes secondary and um we start to see that there's emotions driving the food decisions. So yeah, I went down the rabbit hole, did it all on my own body, checked, tried and tested and it works. Being healthy and being in balance is um, probably the best gift I ever gave myself. And then yeah, I had the privilege of writing two books about it. Oh, that's amazing. Amazing. No, that's I think, so interesting. I think it's such a big thing, especially for moms, is and, and when you touched on it, and it's this um, narrative where you've got to be thin. Mm. You know, thin mm. is healthy, but thin is actually not healthy. Mm. Yeah, it's obvious when I say it out loud that an anorexic isn't healthy. Everybody mm. would go, of course not. You know, mm. there's clearly emotional pain that's driving that behavior. Mm. And, you know, the interesting thing is society doesn't doesn't gift that grace to 
a lot of women in fact mm. most you know mm. you know obviously there's different cultures and culturally things can vary and you know in certain african cultures bigger is better and that's beautiful um mm. but i think that you know that also again comes with another extreme of the the side effects of what what are what are the the side effects of being bigger you know and i think that that's again we distill it down to health and we look that yeah a lot of moms a lot of women get put under pressure to be a certain shape when it's actually unsustainable, impractical, and not necessarily healthy. Mm. And when you actually do that, you you almost you you put yourself you put so much pressure on yourself to lose the weight and to mm. be a certain way. And like you say, when you actually lost the weight between the two books, you realized, hell, actually, I'm thin now, but like there's still something else here. Like, yeah. what is that? Mm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that space and like that going deeper into your healing journey. So I think that you know it's it's like we say. Have you ever looked back at a photo of yourself and gone, gosh, I was so hard on myself that I didn't look good, that I wasn't right and that I didn't, you know, wasn't Mm. skinny enough and didn't look good enough in those jeans. And now you're not that person anymore because nobody ever looks at photos. You know, this is the big kicker. Everyone looks at a photo and goes, I was so young then. I was like, well, you can't be older then. You can only be younger then because (laughs) the photo is in the past. But we look at it and we go, gosh, why couldn't I have been happy in that shape that I was. I mean, I look at 16-year-old me, 17-year-old me, 18-year-old me, right the way through my 20s, and I'm like, what was I so worried about? Mm. I would kill to have that body now, you know? And it's, listen, I love my body now, and that's through the work that I've done over the years, but there's this disconnect where you just look back and you're like, that that was incredible. Why, why was I not happy in that moment? And I think, Oh, if I had to relate it to my own personal journey and the work that I, I do with most of my clients, because obviously this this hugely connects through to the, the emotional eating space, is that it's it's nervous system work, right? Mm. It's the down regulation and processing of what we've been through within our nervous system in order to be able to come back into our body. Mm. Because deep compassion for self is actually being back in your body. And, you know, the, the sort of buzzwords at the moment in the health community is like trauma and nervous system and parasympathetic and like all these, mm. these words. And we, we hear them, but what are they actually, you know? Mm. And if we look at it, and this is what I discovered with myself, is that your nervous system is actually this ancient primal system in your body whose main function is to keep you alive. Mm. That's the bottom line. That's what it does. And it does so through seeking familiarity and pattern. And in the seeking of familiarity and pattern, it will operate for you. So this is how you drive home, thinking about what you've got to cook, you pick the children up from school, the email you've got to get back to. And before you know it, you've parked outside your house and you're safely there and you don't even know what you you saw or how you saw, Mm. but you got there, you know. Mm. And that's your nervous system actually constantly working behind the scenes. So what we see is, is that, you know, the way we experience our childhood is what manifests in our adult behaviors, right? Mm. And trauma is relative to everybody, right? So Mm. what's traumatic for me is not necessarily traumatic for you. It could be a once-off event or it could be uh, prolonged, a parent unable to maybe hold your emotional space for you or whatever it is, you know, that you went through when you were younger, this manifesting when you're older. So when I cleared sort of the energetics with food and I got the healthy eating done because healthy eating is actually really simple. It's, it's really not complicated, and, and I speak about it in the books. It's, you know, we, we, we've lost trust with our bodies, so we've trusted everybody else with what we should be eating, mm, rather they than trusting. they have secret. Yeah, like they know the secret us. remedy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, in, in this 
awareness that I moved into of, hang on, I don't have to trust everybody else with my body. I can eat real, whole, God-made, earth-made, plant-made, whatever you want to call it, food that comes without a label, not in a packet. And if I focus on eating more of that, then I'm naturally going to crowd out what isn't good for me. And I'm naturally just going to feel full and satiated and happy and find balance. That part's easy, actually. You know, a little bit of... uh, uh, and I always I like reframing discipline because discipline implies like this negative connotation when it's actually not discipline but it's a choice mm. and it's a choice yeah. that I'll willingly make for myself because that makes me feel better and mm. I want to feel good in my body so a little bit of discipline a little bit of, of willing choice to eat better once you've done that and once I had done that I'd realized that I had this fried nervous system from my childhood and from my experiences in life and they had majorly pulled me outside of my body and my nervous system. So through and to loop back, um, you know, seeking familiarity and pattern, your nervous system will do what it did in the past when you didn't die. Even if when you didn't die, you were uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So the learned behavior of self-soothing or emotional eating on the cake or the chocolates or the chips, that learned behavior, I didn't die. And in the moment, you know, you'll understand this as well as a health coach is the fact that I'm getting a dopamine hit, I'm getting a sugar hit. There is an element of soothing on the food that you're getting, right? So in that emotional eating space, when I, what I started to see was the more I was self-soothing, the more that was just actually a pattern from the past. It was a learned behavior mm. Of trying to downregulate my nervous system mm. and not sit with the discomfort. Mm. Because that's what we don't get taught, right? Is yeah. to sit with discomfort. And I think a lot of moms actually experience this as they have their baby. Because their whole world is thrown. They've gone through this birthing experience that may have been beautiful, may have been traumatic. And now you're sitting and you haven't slept. You've got this little baby. You don't know what to do. Or maybe you do know what to do. And all you want to do is feel better. Yeah. And the reality is the chocolate cake does make you feel better. You can't pretend it doesn't happen. Mm. You know, the reality is it does. It is only momentarily. And that's the Mm. focus, right? That's why I always say to my clients, you've got to focus on what do you want more over what do you want right now? Mm. Right now, you don't want to be in discomfort. Right now, you don't want to feel the pain. But what do you want more? You want Mm. to feel healthier. You want to feel connected. You want stable energy levels. You want healthier hormones, clearer skin, whatever it is. So in this, we see that... um, it's, it's this inability to sit with our nervous system dysregulation that causes us to reflex into food or shopping or drinking or smoking mm. or gambling or exercising. Mm. Whatever we're doing to try and self-soothe mm. is because we haven't been taught to sit with discomfort. And, you know, all humans have their own challenges and their own things that they've gone through in their past, you know, whether it's a very traumatic childhood of abuse you know sexual abuse or 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 verbal abuse or whatever it is all right the way through to maybe your parents just had to work all the time and couldn't be there for you and you felt unseen Mm. and that results in different manifestations as an adult right so to loop back to to the long and short of it was that when I cleared myself out in terms of eating healthier food, I could see the immense nervous system dysregulation within my body. And I started to really feel it. Um, obviously working with energetics and my different practices, embodiment practice like yoga, for example. And this, this dysregulation of my nervous system was really something that was at the steering wheel of my food choices. And when I started to, to practice sitting with discomfort and doing embodiment work, you know, Pilates, yoga, slowing down, 
um, you know, managing my stress really, um, you know, I did a lot of kinesiology sessions to just downregulate and rewire this nervous system from really being upregulated in that fight or flight state constantly. And mm. when we're in fight or flight, you'll only crave, for example, sugar because sugar is quick access energy. So your nervous system will only want that for you. And when I started to see that the more nervous system work I did, the easier it became to make healthier choices for myself. Mm. And the more you see that you have options in front of you. Mm. So that was really the deep empowerment healing journey for me with Heal, where I saw the more I love and nurture my nervous system, the easier it's going to be for me to to make healthy choices. So it was it was interesting. When I st- studied to be a health coach, I thought, oh, I'm going to teach people to eat more vegetables and, and fruit, you know, <laughs> which it is, it is. It's yeah. definitely, uh, it is about that. But actually what it's so deeply about is the the nervous system and this work that we do to make sure that we're not in our fight or flight because mm. our days are hectic. Moms mm. have children it's crying it's feeding it's schoolwork it's work it's emails it's driving around it's husband it's making sure the house is clean you you, you're so busy in your demand of this this life that we lead now and we all do we lead a very unstimulated life i can get hold of you at any time i could phone you at 10 o'clock at night and probably get hold of you because we have cell phones and they Mm. you know they we're constantly on and you know it's just going down the rabbit hole of it seeing that for 100,000 years, our body hasn't changed. And when our body hasn't changed for 100,000 years, but our society has, what's that doing to my nervous system? Mm. So I just went down this rabbit hole. And yeah, that was a journey for me with heels, just to see what was lying underneath there was a dysregulated nervous system from childhood trauma, from unprocessed emotions, and never being taught and because it's just something we don't get taught, right? We get taught algebra at school, which is blows my mind. But we don't get taught to actually consciously sit with whatever it is mm. that is actually going on for us, you know, through meditation oh. practice and mindfulness practice. Yeah, that's what I was like, going to... Oh. Sorry, I was going to ask you, you know, just to make it a bit more simpler for our moms, that what do you... Give us a good example of sitting in that discomfort. Like, what does that mean? Like, yes, yeah. how, how can a mom sit in her discomfort and feel... And sort of navigate herself through that feeling and get out of it. What is, is there a practice? Is there, what, yeah. what can she do? So practical tools on it, you know, and what is it? So when we have a difficult emotion that comes up, I'm trying to think of a difficult emotion for a mom. Give me a difficult anger, thing. Anger. Impatience. Impatience. Yeah, impatience. There you go. Or anger, right? These are, these are big emotions. Like these are very charged electrical emotions. So what you'll actually, if you start to bring your awareness around it, and, and the awareness tool is meditation, that's mm. my strongest tool because and my strongest recommendation. And meditation doesn't have to look like, oh, I'm sitting in a forest lighting my incense, my candles are all lit, you know, I've got an hour every day and I'm just going to namaste. Like, that's not mm. meditation for me. Meditation is pulling yourself conscious and mindful within your body. And, you know, rather than 20 minutes every odd day, if you can do one minute a day, then that's sufficient because the consistency is really key. And in the consistency, we see that if you for one minute a day can sit at the edge of your bed and just breathe, just close your eyes and just breathe in and out. And for some people, it's too traumatic to close the eyes, right? So find a point to focus on. You can open your eyes and just focus on a point. But in that, to just sit and breathe. Just breathe in through your nose and out through your nose. For one minute every single day, what that will start to do is create space in your nervous system. 
Yes, mindfulness is the, the tool that we use to create space in the nervous system to help us alter the, our perception. That's how it works. So in this practice, we get anger. You know, and uh, I'm not a mom, so maybe anger because you cooked a yummy meal for your child and you were so proud of it and your child just threw it off the, the baby chair and went, no, I don't feel like eating that. And you're like, oh my gosh, I want to wring your neck. I'm not going to, but I want to. And you feel that electrical charge. Now, in that moment is the moment of inception. In that moment is the moment of mindfulness. Mm. Because if you can catch yourself there and reconnect to your breath and go, okay, I'm feeling anger right now. I'm feeling Mm. frustrated right now. Okay. I can feel the electrical charge in my body. I can feel the sensation feedback in my body. Some people battle with sensation feedback. So mm. how we get, you know, binge eating or overeating. So because, disconnected from their body. Yeah, they're yeah. disconnected from the body. So they don't get sensation feedback. However, practice, awareness, mm. this can shift, mm. um, you know, to just breathe into it. And what you might start to notice is that there's actual electrical pulses within this body. And that's what emotions are. Emotions are energy. They're electrical pulses within the nervous system. So you'll feel these electrical pulses and these this this anger sort of rising from your tummy up into your throat and you know around your neck and the back of your skull and that's that that anger that can come up. But what happens energetically with emotions is that they can't last longer than ninety seconds. Thereafter, the engagement with it is a choice. So my anger that I feel, that charge is there, that electrical charge is there, 100% valid. You know, your anger is real. Your feelings matter and are valid, but your feelings aren't facts. Mm. And that's very important to separate, right? So in that moment, oh, there's my anger. Oh, I can feel it. Now, if we do not connect to our breath, we don't have space between ourselves and the anger. And that's where reactivity lives rather than responding that's where, oh, fine, don't eat your food. I'm taking your plate. Bah, 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 bah. And then the child might internalize shame because they didn't want to eat it and look, I've upset mom. And a child will never look at a, a parent figure that they the problem. The child will only look at themselves like they're the mistake. Mm-hmm. And that's what the child then internalizes and carries on into adulthood, right? So we see that mindfulness practice breathing breathing exercises and there's plenty of apps out there there's youtube videos out there there's so much guidance i have a breathing exercise on on spotify as well there's there's so many uh uh, tools available to you within this mindfulness practice to bring yourself back to your breathing because your breathing is your home base and if you can breathe in that moment you will create space between you and it whatever the it is in your life and when you create that space you can then have a choice on how you engage with it mm. after 90 seconds. And if you give yourself that grace of mom's just going to take five minutes, mm. I'm going to turn away from this. I'm going to go to the kitchen. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to allow myself the time to process. I'm mm. going to give myself just the time to, to be with that electrical charge mm. without picking up Instagram or eating the chocolate cake or pulling yourself outside of your body with a substance or a, a technology or whatever it is to just allow yourself sit on the edge of the bed breathe for five minutes just breathe Mm. and then go right where to from here okay cool my child doesn't want to eat lentils today my child's clearly only in the mood for something sweet maybe i can chop up some fruit and give that a go fine let's go give that a go Mm. fine okay so it's in that's the the sitting with the difficulty is the 
the fact that there's no space for the nervous Mm. system and the minute we we come back to our breathing our meditation or our mindfulness you know and again meditation as if if you haven't done meditation meditation can feel very overwhelming for a lot of people a lot of people get very daunted by that word meditation yeah they're like oh my gosh like i don't have time to meditate and then like well then you should be meditating double but that's fine but you can find mindful moments rather than necessarily having to have this beautiful meditation mindful moments could look like and this is one of my favorites with my clients is switch on the kettle put your hands on the counter close your eyes if you can if you can't stare at the kettle and just breathe that's what a kettle takes like a minute or two to boil that's a minute or two every day because most people have a cup of tea a day or a cup of coffee a day and again caffeine not recommended for an upregulated nervous system so if you're a very stressed mommy i really highly recommend a decaf coffee but in that space you know you're making yourself a beverage a day on average usually with a kettle so that's two minutes every day that you could just stand and breathe Mm. and when you stand and breathe you can check in with yourself you can ask yourself like what's actually going on for me like how am I actually feeling about my day my life my work my partner my children you know and this is the other you know sort of convoluted almost preconceived idea with meditation is that it's about controlling your thoughts and having an empty mind Mm. yes empty quiet peace is the the goal in a way but it's not about having a goal it's not about controlling the mind it's about letting your thoughts come and not letting them bother you Mm. so it's kind of like the analogy that i use with my clients is sitting on a park bench and watching cars go by the emotions are the cars they're going to come they're going to go that's happening but your remaining seat on the bench is where your breath and your mindfulness sits mm. you can stay on that bench and you can just breathe and observe the cars come by so mm. the radical thoughts the i'm frustrated at my husband because he's not showing up because he sh- he should have cooked and then mm. my child wouldn't have thrown the food off the table and he's never here to cook and like all those thoughts are, are, are thoughts and they their feelings and if we can just detach from them and observe them we can lessen our own suffering right because our attachment causes our own suffering that's what like the buddha says Mm. so yeah i'd say mindfulness cursed would probably be meditation would probably be the most powerful tool Mm -hmm. i think also just sitting with the discomfort everyone doesn't want to sit there with the discomfort they just want to get it away as quick as possible because we told that you should feel good all the time that's that's yeah, what you we should live in a society for mm. women that smile put on your mm. big girl panties put on a little paint wear yeah. your lipsticks right. you know be the the, the well-behaved quintessential woman yeah mm. well we had a, a recent episode where you know mal and i were talking to someone who's about to have a baby and everyone at the table is talking about how wonderful it is and we were just being real at it's there are challenges and mm. you need to face them and you know holding the space for that because a lot of people you live in a way that you live in a way that people think you need to, people live in a way that they think they think they have to live yeah you know the societal the construct that gets placed upon you Correct. especially as moms i mean look the reality is i'm not a mom so i don't know what it's like but in my observations i think i'm pretty pretty uh accurate is that there's this this pre- preconceived notion that you must just love being a mother you got this miracle, you must be blessed, you mm. must be happy, you must be grateful. How can you complain? Like, you look at your little everything bundle. Everything up for your yeah, child. Your ch- mm. Exactly. There's no mm. you now. It's only the baby. This mm. is all that matters. What a blessing. What a miracle. Which it is. Mm. But I think that there's this, 
we forget that in life we can hold this beautiful duality. This is the power of the human, right? And this is our, our incredible ability, especially if we drop out of that fight or flight. Because fight or flight is black and white. It's yes mm. or no. Yeah. I can't see the options before area. me because my prefrontal cortex is not engaged. Right, so my prefrontal cortex is my decision-making center, whereas my reptilian brain will kick in and go, like, it's yes, no, it's mm. survival. Mm. I'm in it or I'm out. I'm yes or no, it's black, it's white, it's wrong, it's right. Whereas, and I, th- and I think that society lives there, right, because it's also a masculine society. And the masculine, and look, you get the divine mas- masculine as much as you get this, the toxic masculine masculinity that is out there but i think that the society is the space of yes no black white wrong right go 24 hours in a day make a count whereas the feminine which is actually what is holding the space for this child on you know predominantly and there are single daddies out there doing an amazing job again the divine masculine in in action but i think that there's this expectation that you must just be happy that there's a baby and you must just be happy that it's great and you must just be happy that the you know you lucky enough to be a mum and we forget that there's this duality that can be held within the human emotional range of I can be grateful and really angry I can be sad and really excited I can grieve and really be uh, uh surrendered to a situation there is this incredible range for us and i think that's you know kirsten and i are back by unpopular opinion it's i think for mums there's this extreme pressure that it's a got to look great on social media Mm. like you know the 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 momfluencer Mm. hashtag momfluencer that that's out there with the matching everything's in neutrals and mm. there's no mess in the house, and everything looks perfect, and, and it's my the child... most unrealistic thing ever. It mm. is. It's the most unrealistic thing ever, and I and I've heard within my social circle, you know, how this has actually caused some moms to be in tears because mm. they look at this unrealistic picture and go, "Why am I not like that?" And that's the comparison, right? Because comparison mm. is the death of joy, and that that happens in all spheres. Why am I not as skinny as her? As this is her? Mm. As that is her? And then it happens with children, and I think. With children, it's like this amplified pressure because children are, they're here to teach. That's mm. what they come here for. They're, right? they're, teachers, your, yeah. they're your teachers. They're your mirrors. Mm. That's why you've asked for it, right? Mm. So that, that deep soul work, I think, is, it's radical because you're going through that and then you've got this like social media societal pressure where you're like, wow, I'm actually in the trenches but I feel like I can't tell anybody because if I express negative emotion around this, I'm actually not as great as that mom on Instagram who makes it look so easy. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, she's got like three, four nannies and, you know, a grandmother that lives next door, whatever it is that mm. makes life easier, you know? Mm. So I think, yeah, it is. there's this huge element of mums don't get to express that it's hard. Mums don't get to express that it's you know, uh, challenging, that it's not easy, that they're battling, you know, it's like, oh, you don't want to be, like, postnatal depression, you mm. know, like, buzzword, and it's like, whoa, hang on, what if I am a bit depressed, because having a kid is kind of like sending a hand grenade into your life, it really is, like, <laughs> yeah, from <literally>. my observation, <laughs> you two can speak more, more freely on mm. it, but from my observation, that's what you're doing, mm. it's a beautiful hand grenade, but it is a hand grenade, because that's what... It shakes everything up. It shakes life, everything yeah. up. Energetically, just just energetically, the spiritual process of giving birth, yet alone holding space for a child, is radical. Mm. Yeah. It's radical. And I think that in that, 
why would anybody that's going through this healing journey and peeling these layers of of complexity back on ourselves in order to go deeper and look within which i hope you know if, if you're having a child you're doing because I think that we need more conscious parents and less mm. children raising children in this planet. But, you know, if, if we're peeling these layers back on a regular journey with our children, why would it not be amplified if you've literally brought one of your biggest triggers and your soul teachers into this world? Like, that's your soul contract with your kids, is that they're going to teach you. Mm. They're going to teach you, can you hold anger? Can mm. you process anger without, you know, and God forbid, slapping them? Like, can you, can you hold how impatient and frustrated you're going to get without taking it out on them so that they feel unsafe in this world? Mm. Because unsafe children become unsafe adults mm. and then hurt people hurt people. And that's the dysfunction that we see in society yeah. today, you know? So it's, yeah, it's And also going back to, like, the childhood wounds, like how when your child is born and you see them going through life, I've found with myself especially, there's so much childhood trauma that comes up when you're like oh i experienced this at this stage when she was this age and you can just she is yeah wow i was that big too yeah what's your inner child right outside Mm. of your body and Mm. it's so much easier to find compassion when it's not not you yeah because we we lack compassion for self this is the the journey right is that i don't have compassion for well i do now with the work that I've done. But for example, you know, if I look back at my parents separated when I was about 12, 13, and I, um, yeah, by the age of 14, 15, I was a rebellious teenager pushing back against the boundaries because I, w- I was in pain. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was angry. But, you know, as Brene Brown says, anger is the discharge of pain. That's mm-hmm. what we know. So you've got an angry teenager where they're in pain. That's mm-hmm. a question you should be asking yourself. And mm-hmm. You know, I was I was an angry and pain teenager and I was yeah, I was just I pushed back against everything and I look back now at fourteen year old me and you're right, I see some fourteen year olds and I'm like, Oh my god, I was a baby. Mm, I was so a small itty yeah. bitty bob squeaker. Like I wasn't even and I thought I knew everything because that's mm, welcome to being a teenager. <laughs> but like I look back and I'm like, what wow and yeah, I think that, that it's in those moments that you're invited to find compassion for yourself mm. when you see it outside of your body. You're like, my daughter is that big. And I was that big too when I went through that. Mm. I didn't know better. I couldn't have known better. And somebody should have been there to keep me safe. Mm. Mm. Should and have they, been dealt with differently. Yeah, yeah. It, it, could, it could have should've been dealt, dealt with differently. differently you know, should is imply shame, right? So shoulda, coulda, woulda. But it could have been dealt with differently. And mm. now that awareness is not to counter from one extreme to the other, mm. you know, maybe my parents were completely absent, therefore I'm going to become a complete molly coddling mother, which mm. is also going to disable my child to show up for themselves. Yeah. It's, it's that contrast, right? It's, again, the black and white. It's rather than finding that feminine flow of, of that balance of, right, my parents didn't show up for me, emotionally call it, um, and therefore I now want to molly coddle, but... I know that molly coddling and overdoing everything means that my child's going to actually battle to do stuff for themselves. So I'm going to check in with that, connect back to my breath, check in, check in, and go, right, there's some things I'm going to do for you because that's what I wanted. That's what I needed. I needed, Mm. you know, whatever the example is, a mommy who cared enough to pack a lunchbox every day and not send me to school without food or whatever it is. But also when when my child comes home, I'm going to teach them how to make themselves a Sami. So mm. that they can also learn to feed themselves. So it's mm. in these ways that we f- can find balance or invite in balance. But I think that that's, 
Oh, that, that awareness around that is key. Definitely, yeah. It all starts with awareness. Mm. Which brings us back to the buzzword of mindful eating. I wanted yeah. you to just touch on that first. Like, what is, so I'm a mom, I'm postpartum, I'm eating everything. How do I start mindfully eating? Or how do I start eating better? So again, this brings us back to our breath work, right? And our, our, our pulling ourselves conscious. So mindful eating is putting yourself conscious in the moment of consumption. The tools that I recommend for this would be, okay, I'm hungry. I can feel I'm hungry. Like I'm hungry now. I want to go to the kitchen. And I want to get something to eat. Okay. Deep breath. Another deep breath in. Okay, I'm hungry. Can I debrief the anxiety that can often accompany hunger? We often feel there's an urgency that I have to eat right now. Like I have to get it in me right now. If I do not eat right now, I'm going to punch somebody in the face. So my recommendation in that space is you can actually put your hand to your prefrontal cortex, which stimulates blood flow to it and actually bring it back to the decision-making center, which is, is, is in the front of your head. So you put your hand over your forehead and go, right, I am hungry. Can I, if I am experiencing anxiety around it, can I debrief the anxiety? Am I going to die right now? No, most of us, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are a very privileged person that knows where your next meal is coming from. Right, so I can debrief the anxiety that I'm not going to die right now. I am hungry, but I do want to eat something. What am I going to eat? Back to my breath. Right, can I make a better choice for myself in this moment? Because, you know... Getting healthy is a radical act of self-love. That's what it is. It's loving yourself enough to make a healthier decision in the moment. So with mindful eating, when we take these three deep breaths and we make a better choice in that moment, it's it's a little moment of self-love for yourself. To go, right, I am tired, but if I give myself sugar, I'm going to have short energy, a sugar crash, and then I'm going to be hungry shortly afterwards. And then I'm going to eat again, and then I'm going to feel gross that I ate again because I wasn't actually hungry but it was a blood sugar drop and then I'm going to be hard on myself and I'm going to guilt myself because I shouldn't have gone back for the third slice of bread and and, and, then, and then it spirals right that doesn't sound like self-love to me what sounds like self-love to me is right I'm hungry what is going to nourish my body right now so coming back to your breath debriefing any anxiety that you might have making a healthier food choice then three deep breaths before you eat your food. And then what I like to practice in that moment with my mindful eating is gratitude. Mm. The privilege of knowing where your next meal is coming from is massive. And it's, it's a, such an emotionally charged one for me because I work with a couple of feeding schemes in Cape Town and there's one where children go to school hungry. Their parents don't have the money to feed them. And these feeding schemes are proud and achieving you know an apple and an egg a day for these children Mm. that's what they get an apple and an egg that's it they go home that's it they get an apple and an egg at the school because that's what the feeding scheme is able to to bring forward and they are evolving and growing so you know that's the reality out there in our country and we just have this abundance as people of privilege and i think that it's our responsibility to to give gratitude you know whether you want to pray for your food or whether you just want to say, sure, acknowledge this plate of food in front of me. I have this beautiful plate of food in front of me. I know where my next meal is coming from and, I, and I'm grateful for that. So three deep breaths, gratitude, slowing down, mindful eating is not eating your phone, your, your well, definitely not eating your phone, <laughs> <laughs> not. but not eating while watching your phone, not eating while watching the TV, 
to, to just sit and eat. Be with your food. Um, and then to eat slowly and to chew, chew, chew your food as much and as often as possible. Now, this isn't always possible, you know, ideal situation. Again, for meditation is in a forest with incense burning and candles, you know, perfectly lit in like a sacred circle and my abundant nourished food in front of me that I can eat quietly while the birds are chirping. That's not life, right? So we do it as much and as often as we can when we can. And when we practice it, this is how neuroplasticity works, right? Is that you are what you repeatedly do. So if you repeatedly practice slowing down, not eating while you're watching TV, it will become easier. It's like lifting weights. You don't start with lifting 40 kilogram dumbbells. You start with one kilogram and work your way up. It's the same thing with being healthy. So mindful eating, slowing down, chewing your food, three deep breaths before you eat. Um, and that chewing is so important because that chewing signals the brain that it's getting food. And then the brain signals the gut. And then the gut goes, oh, we're getting food. Fire up the digestion. Mm-hmm. So we start to see that it's not you are what you eat, but it's you are what you digest. And if you're not digesting properly, then you're not actually assimilating nutrients into the body. Mm-hmm. And this is where we see children, for example, going to school on sugary cereals. There's no nutritional value. that spikes their blood sugars. They can't concentrate in class because the brain isn't getting what it's need needing. The brain, for example, needs complex carbohydrates. And once broken down into the glucose, it feeds the bacteria on the brain that helps the brain operate. So, you know, these children can't concentrate, but then they get put on ADHD medication because they're not sitting still in class. But they're actually, actually it's not, a cereal. Then actually it's the sugary food and the lack of nutrition mm, that they're getting at home. No one looks at the food. Nobody looks no at the nutrition, looks right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So in that space... The, the the chewing is so essentially important because you are connecting with the body and mm. the body sensation. And when you chew more, you'll notice that when you get full. And when you get full, you'll naturally want to stop. Mm. And if you're not stopping when you get full, therein is a teacher, right? And that's the moment mm. where we ask ourselves, why? What am I trying to push down? And often overeating becomes a thing of physical safety as smoking is mental and drinking as an emotional safety that we're seeking you know perhaps something within the food that there's a there's a physical safety requirement or past trauma that that's energetically sitting in the body that we need to unlock but in that space we see you know if we chew our food and we connect with our body and we slow down we give gratitude and we eat good real food the body finds its own homeostasis that natural balance stops Mm. when you fall carry on when you're not and and yeah, it, and it balances. It really is empowering to get to the space where you eat like that, and then you eat badly, and you actually can feel how Goodness. terrible you actually feel. Mm. So now, Mel, like you know, with your expertise and stuff, tell us. I'm now a mom. I've got bread at home. I've got cheese in the fridge. I, like, how do I start making? Give me like two or three swap outs. Or yeah, my child only wants to eat macaroni and cheese. Uh-huh. And no, they're throwing everything else off their oh, plate. Give me the mac and cheese question. <laughs> the chef is like, give me the mac and cheese. Give me the mac and cheese. So, so, yeah, but, so yeah, give us is. for mom and babe, for mom and kid. If yeah. you can, because you know you talk about this in Hill. You've got so a kids section. So let's do do a mom meal, and then the kids. Most kids love mac and cheese, mm, right? So, love it. Yeah. So what's Hill, a good swap? Yeah. So yeah, in Hill I have a kids section because I wanted moms to see. So here's the kicker, right? Is that somewhere along the line we got told you must cook a meal for you and you must cook a meal for husband and you must cook a meal for your kid because nobody wants to eat the same. Amy. Hey. <laughs> so if that were my life, 
which it's not because it wouldn't be because you will eat what I am cooking because it will be delicious and you will love it. But in that space, you know, it's, it's like so interesting is that, and I love what you use the curse to swap out, right? Is that we've got bread. There's nothing wrong with bread. The way Jesus ate bread 2000 years ago was stone ground flour mixed with a little bit of salt if they had the money because salt was a mm. commodity mm. and water and they'd leave it to naturally ferment and they would make sourdough. That sourdough is high in protein, high in vitamins. It's got live bacteria in it, natural, naturally fermented food, especially when eaten fresh. Um, good for the gut. It doesn't have fiber, so we're mindful of that. But we're also not eating 20 slices of bread a day, right? And you can't with sourdough because it's real food. Mm. Store-bought bread has 38 different ingredients in it. And most of us don't even know what they are. And those <laughs> ingredients you're feeding to your child, and most of them, here's the kicker, are directly linked to cancer and inflammatory diseases because they are chemicals. So we've been brought up in a society that counts chemicals, I mean, counts calories when we should be counting the chemicals. chemicals. So mm. food has, uh, if you look at bread, 38 different ingredients in it as opposed to a sourdough that has three. So I endorse a sourdough. Buy a sourdough at your local artisanal baker. Again, if you cannot afford it, this is understandable. You can make sourdough. I have a recipe in my book. It is very easy once you get the hang of it. You know, one or two practices. Everybody has a bread that flops, even me, I promise. Um, but once you get the hang of it, you can make your own sourdough. Or you can buy your sourdough at a local artisanal baker. Ask for naturally fermented. Slice it up. Pop it in the freezer. Frozen. It's there for you whenever you need to toast, right? So it's not about not having it's about what I call, and I'm claiming the word, healthifying it. So instead of store-bought bread, sourdough. Instead of yellow cheese, buy yourself a beautiful organic mozzarella. And the reason we buy organic, I think, as, a, as people of privilege, again, is that we understand that when we vote with our dollar, corporation will hear us. Corporations are not going to hear you from the perspective of they're making money. They're going to be like, sorry, I can't hear you pass my dollar bills. What was that that you're saying? You know, Because when they make the bread with 38 different ingredients in it these chemicals make the bread cheap when the bread is cheap they make more money that's how they get the price though price point to like 10 rand for a loaf of bread right so when we buy better we show corporation we're actually not prepared to spend money on that and therefore the better product will bring the price point down Mm. but so this is this is a and I'm, I'm, i'm always acutely aware of it being healthy is a privilege it's a privilege not bestowed on many and i think that yeah, I just, just always like have to put that disclaimer in when I talk about it. But for healthifying it, for me, a beautiful slice of sourdough, sliced tomatoes, uh, freshly sliced mozzarella, drizzle of olive oil and a crack of black pepper, like a yum. I will mm. have that gladly rather than yellow cheese, which the yellow in the cheese is actually, um, it lights up the same pleasure center as, a, as heroin, as a head of heroin. So if you're having yellow cheese, you're actually, it's as addictive to the body physiologically as heroin and I just don't like actually feel comfortable with that like for my body personally you know mm. so I don't recommend yellow cheese as a health product but mozzarella feta ricotta you know in moderation three times a week absolutely fine I don't obviously endorse a lot of dairy products and I definitely endorse hormone free and uh, organic as much as possible but that would be like a mom's mom's meal make sure you have some mozzarella in the fridge make sure you have some spinach or a tomato and a slice of sourdough. All you've got to do, pop the sourdough in the toaster, olive oil, a little bit of spinach, slice of tomato, slice mozzarella on top, crack some black pepper on it and off you go. That's a toasty, right? That's a beautiful lunch. Then when it comes to kids, you know, yeah, the kids 
they, they tend to the sweeter palate. They want the mm. sweet, yummy things. And they tend to the or softer bland. food. Yeah. Or, yeah, and softer food, I find. You know, like a mm. mac. Mac and cheese is soft food. There's no mm. actual fiber in it. Mm. So here's the kicker. You can, and you might want to write this down, and I'm going to try and remember the recipe. Because I have a lot of recipes in my head. But <laughs> if you soak cashew nuts overnight, raw, unsalted cashew nuts overnight, and then you roast a beautiful butternut skin off roast the pieces you then take the soaked cashew nuts you drain mm. the water and you pop them in a blender with the butternut and you can get a product called nutritional yeast it's something that you can get at your local health store and um, you pop some nutri- and it, it gives like a cheesy flavor to um, uh, uh, anything that you make with it so you add some nutritional yeast some Butternuts, some cashew nuts um, into a blender, little bit of water, and you blend it. It will make a creamy, thick cheese sauce. Oh, that's amazing. Mm. That's what it will make. So in that moment, you're like, score, I'm getting my child to eat a whole butternut. Like, that is amazing. (laughs) And they won't know the difference. It will taste as as good. Um, And then you got and you know it's got that natural sweetness from the butternut which is so great and then in terms of pasta you know commercialized store-bought pastas high in gluten high in refined products but there's amazing brands doing phenomenal things and you know and again i have no problem sharing the love on on brand names but there's a brand called happy earth co for example Mm. Mm. happy earth co it's chickpea pasta and lentil pasta it's yummy it's delicious it tastes like pasta it's significantly healthier it's gluten-free so you get that you make that as per packet instructions pop it into a pan pour the cheese sauce over it pop it in the oven for a little bit and, and, you know, if you really want to indulge your child, a little bit of sliced mozzarella or grated mozzarella on top, not a lot, pop it in the oven and you have a creamy um, mac and cheese for your kid. That and they're is, getting all the nutrients. And they're getting all the nutrients and there's mm. absolutely no garbage in there. And it's homemade. And you know what? The reality is you're going to want the same mac and cheese. So there's your one dish and your husband's definitely not going to complain for delicious mac and cheese mm. either. So mm. there you go. One dish for the whole family done. And, you know, if it's for mom's plate... I always have a bag of baby spinach in the fridge. It's a given in my household because I recommend a handful of dark leafy greens with everything that you eat. And then I'd put dark uh, the spinach on a plate or in a bowl and pop the mac and cheese on top, fold it through, toss it through, and off you go. There's, there's two yummy meals that aren't ready-made in a plastic uh, container that you shove in a microwave which mm. kills all nutrition and then you're feeding that to your child. Mm. Okay, so I just another question like from a very busy mom. How how do I make my life easy? Like just like, what are some hacks? Like, you know, we we say eat more um quinoa, eat more bulgur wheat, eat you know, eat the healthier stuff, but it's so much easier just to slap on some Melrose on some cracker bread. On some cracker my bread or whatever. Yeah. So what is a how do we make it easy at home? Like how do you plan it to be easier in your fridge to be Quick, easy, accessible food that's yeah. still good for you. Yeah. Have you ever had those nights where your mates come over and you guys have a phenomenal girls' night and you eat, you dine, there's yummy food, you cook, there's wine, it's like a tabab. Your friends go home and you look at the dishes and you think, oh, let me just do them now. Because if I just do them now, tomorrow me is going to be thank me. <laughs> and then you do them. And then you wake up the next morning and you walk into that kitchen and you're just like, oh, I'm so proud of you, girl, because <laughs> now I can just wake up, make my cup of coffee and carry on with my life rather than dealing with the aftermath of the fun I had yesterday. Healthy eating is kind of the same. You have to think about future you. 
you can't think about you in the moment because you in the moment is tired, stressed, dealing with kids and you don't have time. So you can't expect yourself. And this is, this is what's so interesting is we as humans have these high expectations and demands of ourselves to like perform in the moment. Not even me who is a chef can roast something in five minutes. It's going to take me, well, now that I have an air fryer, it's not going to take me that long. Best investment. <laughs> Best investment ever. <laughs> Thanks, 2020. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is that if you look at it, you it takes time to cook. There's no, you can't get around it. Mm. You just got to choose when you're going to take that time. Mm. So you're not going to take that time at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night while your kid is screaming and hungry for dinner or 6 p.m. or whatever, 5 p.m. or whatever it is, right? So my recommendation is meal prep. That's how you get around it. You've got to, you know, cook a cup of rice. If you're a family of two or three or four, cook cook for two people extra all the time. So if I'm cooking for myself and my partner, I'm actually cooking for four people. That gives me lunch and her lunch the next day or me lunch and maybe she doesn't want to take lunch and like a small dinner each, but it gives us a roll over meal. So when you cook, cook extra all the time, every time. And Tupperware is... Keep the stuff separately. You know, if you're roasting butternut, cooking some brown rice, sauteing some spinach, grilling some chicken breast, keep them separately. Cook extra and put them into beautiful glass Tupperwares and pop them into the fridge. Um, so firstly, cook extra. Secondly, meal prep. My meal prep days are usually my Sundays. It's when I'm at home. It's when I'm feeling downregulated. It's when I'm not stressed. I might be feeling creative. Um I probably am because it's me in the kitchen. And that's when I'll do right a Tupperware of brown rice. I'll do a pan of roasted veggies. I'll, you know, roast some chickpeas I'll or some butter beans. I'll whatever the different foods are that I'm going to want to eat that week. And then I put them into a Tupperware and I file them. And I think about future mile on Wednesday when she's going to be hungry and irritated and tired after five clients and a busy day. And it's only like lunchtime and then I can open my fridge and then I look and I go, oh, wait, hang on. I've got all this. I've got options. Mm. They're there. They're in front of my face. I don't have to cook them because nobody opens the fridge, looks at raw cauliflower when they're hungry and goes, oh, that's a great idea. Nobody does that. Even me as a, like, a, a healthy person that, you know, is constantly in practice of, of, of these things like. I also would look at it and go, oh, let's just get Uber Eats because I'm tired and I don't mm. want to, you know. Mm. And I think that we forget that about it. So mm. I think it's important to to think about future you. Meal prep is, again, there's beautiful resources out there. You've just got to Google meal prep guides. And I'm actually launching a meal prep guide soon, so I'm quite excited about that. Oh, awesome. that's um, wonderful. Yeah, I'm going to do it as an ebook online, so you'll be able to find it on my website in the next couple of weeks. But the, you know, the the, the reality is, is in that moment that I open the fridge and I'm hungry, I can go right. I'm going to take some brown rice, some baby spinach, some roasted um, zucchini and patty pans, and I'm going to add some nuts and seeds to it. A little bit of, you know, if I want a crumbled feta or whatever. Toss it together, olive oils, lemon, salt, pepper, boom. In less than five minutes, I have a brown rice salad that I can eat for lunch. So it's, yeah, I think in that recommendation, everybody, and this is this is a hell of a thing that I heard the other day, is that everybody has the same 24 hours in the day, even Elon <laughs> Musk. I heard Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah, exactly, even Beyonce. It's the great equalizer, right? Like, mm. time is the great equalizer. So it, it is tough, but... That's, you know, there's, you've got to pick your battle. What's tougher? Is it tougher to eat unhealthy and feel really 
gross after your food and have heartburn, feel sluggish, indigestion, no, low energy, like, you know, or is it harder to just meal prep on a Sunday and think about future you on a Wednesday? So mm-hmm. you've got to find the time. You've got to make the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there. you just got to look and prioritize it. Um, and that's just the truth. And then after that, yeah, I'd say meal prep. Like, look at how you can set yourself up to succeed um, and cook ahead of time. Mm. And and I think we also forget about our freezers, right? You can make a big pot of soup, a giant one, mm. section it into smaller portions, pop it in the freezer, label it, put the dates on. You don't want to freeze something for more than two months. And then when you are stressed in the moment of I'm tired, you can make like a bean casserole stew Take it out, pop it in a pot, warm it on the oven, and 10 minutes yeah. later you've got something. You know, in terms of Ayurveda, we always want to add um, live food to our, our frozen food because a lot of frozen food is not great for our digestive, our digestive fire. But in that yeah. moment, you can just well, add agni. a handful of your agni. Exactly, mm-hmm. you want to keep your agni going. And in that moment, you can add a handful of baby spinach mm-hmm. and some fresh lemon and olive oil into your bean casserole that you've defrosted. And that takes, that takes 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, that's seriously awesome. And it's been so lovely chatting to you. So tell us before, I mean, I can chat to you forever, Mal. We've got so many things we can actually talk about. <laughs> we'll do a two pod- we'll have pod- to. We'll have to, we'll have to have another podcast session when you're back in Cape Town. Or maybe we'll come to Cape Town. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to just touch on your career and where you're headed now and where are you at the moment and where do you see yourself? And, and then obviously where can people get hold of you and so on? So at the moment, wow, well, where am I at? Uh, yo, I'm very lucky. I have um, a couple of retreats coming up this year. So I facilitate um, and private chef different wellness retreats where we unpack this work and really offer our guests submersive experiences in this offering that that we speak about. Um, So I've got a couple of retreats coming up. My private coaching is always available to people. If they want to find out more, they can visit my website. Um, It's melissa-dalport.com, one L double S. Um, and on the website, there's a, a page for health coaching. And this is where I have the offering of one-on-one private coaching with my clients. Um, and then, yeah, so just the retreats, my, my private coaching. Like I said, I've got a couple of uh, fun ebooks coming out on, on the website in the next couple of weeks. I'm also going to be in the next couple of months moving my practice and my life over to London, which is very exciting. And I'm happy to... I'm excited to see the expansion that is on offer in um, Europe and just, yeah, in a different space. Um, I'll still be back to South Africa running retreats here. So hopefully be back and forth between the two. So there's the retreats, there's my coaching. um, And then hopefully there's, well, there is a third book in the works. Really? Um, Yeah. Well, that's That's exciting. exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get my hands on that. There there is a third book in the works. Um, We're just going to hope to get it and... If anybody's listening and wants to go knocking on Penguin UK's door rather than Penguin South Africa, hopefully go for Penguin UK. And then the I think the most exciting one, which I, I do forget about, is well, there's two exciting things. One, um, Heal has been nominated with the Gourmand Cookbook Awards in Paris that will be held in Sweden this year. Oh, wow. Congratulations. For, thank you. For um, best in the world for health and nutrition so i'm going to be going to sweden at the beginning of june to the award ceremony and we'll see but even the nomination has just been Mm, absolutely incredible um and then the other project that i'm working on at the moment is actually a cooking show 
where we're going to start unpacking the energetics of food and this emotional side of uh, sort of this coaching aspect, but also cooking. So oh, I've got a production lovely. team down in Cape Town that are wanting to shoot it on me and we're busy scripting at the moment. And yeah, we're just going to, I'm just going to roll with it. I'm a big believer in, you know, just surrendering to this flow of life and taking opportunities and, you know, I'm really just making the most of opportunities when they come up, but also following my nose. So I go where it flows. That's that's the, that. that's the that's the rule. Mm. Yeah, if there's and resistance forced. around it, there's a there's a reason for it, and uh, I never wanted to be forced. So yeah, that's that's all that I'm up to, and hopefully everybody comes finds me comes and finds me. Um, you can find me on my social platforms, uh, Melissa Double Underscore Delport on Instagram, um, and then I think it's Melissa Dot Health on Facebook. Um, and yeah, hopefully find the books. You can find them at any major bookstores in South Africa, Woolworths, Exclusive Books, Wordsworth, all the, the different bookstores. You can order them online with Take a Lot the Loot, um, delivered right to your door. And um, we'll post yeah. a link on our, we'll put the link on the podcast. Yes, and amazing. Can yeah, and people can come the and find them and yeah, learn more and discover mm. more. Mm. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. It was so wonderful. Thank you for Looking having me. Looking so forward to the next time. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Thanks, Mal. Okay, bye. 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 And that's a wrap on today's podcast. Please note that Zesty Life is for education and entertainment purposes only. Head on over to all our social media pages to get up to date on all events coming your way. Our next event is on the 21st of May at Your Space for Wellness. We're looking forward to seeing you there. Book your spot. Spaces are limited. Please also rate and review this podcast and share it with any other moms you may know that will need to feel uplifted, inspired and motivated. We're looking forward to the next podcast and thanks for joining us.